Century Vitalism. I'm your host, Brett Kane. You are tuning in right before the new year, so I just want to start by saying Happy New Year. Happy holidays for the folks who uh, were privileged enough to celebrate them in any capacity. For the rest of you who may have not had the same uh, container, I hope that you found some rest and contentment at the end of the year. It has been a crazy long year. A lot of bad, some good, but a lot of bad overall. Um, We're definitely all moving through a very traumatic time in our nation's history, world history, and I hope that you're finding uh, a moment of respite from that onslaught of um, badness. (laughs) Um, You know, it, it is important to keep in mind that oftentimes it is pressure that creates diamonds, and I want to be very mindful when I say that because there are a lot of people who are in very hard conditions, and I don't want that to sound um, contrived or like not understanding. But hopefully at this time at the end of the year, we're able to maybe just have even a moment of pause, even if it's a day, if you're lucky enough, a week to just really give thanks for the aspects of our life that are still here. You know, if you have any loved one at all, just show gratitude, show some thankfulness. This life is so short and frankly, very wobbly. Uh, We don't really know what is going to happen from day to day. And, you know, I think this year is really exemplifying that nature of impermanence that is always here, but we often find ways to distract ourselves from that truth. And the more that we can connect to that truth, especially as the world stage gets set for um, potentially even more years like this one, it's it's very important to remember impermanence is a fundamental aspect of this reality and to not get attached to any one way things should look. Um, and as a result, just show gratitude whenever there's something beautiful that happens. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff to see and take in and enjoy in this life, even if we don't own anything, you know. Um, a night sky has enough mystery in it to, you know, tantalize generations of people for so many years. And the same is true for you. You know, it's the small things that really build up to the beauty that is human life. It's not about achieving some specific end, but to just be here and now. And if there's anything that I'd like to do with the show, it's to impart that you can move in any way in life. And as long as you're connected to the the current now moment, you will have a sense of vitality. Uh, It might be under cutting the the themes of the show a little bit because, you know, I want to investigate all the different means to really come to full term with that. But frankly, at, at the heart of experience, there is so much vitality and aliveness in this very moment, whatever you may be doing, however much pain you may be in, there that's a texture of energy. And that's where life is. You know, we have to be able to meet life where we're at. So I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. I hope that this um, transitionary state that we find ourselves in between uh, Christmas and the new year is, is beneficial for you, that it offers you genuine rest and peace 
so that we can start this next year as strong as humanly possible. I don't know what it's going to look like, but the vibe that I'm putting out is that we're, we're going to be getting better, uh, the vaccine on the way, but our illness is not going to be solved with a mere vaccine. What we're looking at is hundreds of years of misalignment with our the true aspect of what we are, which is fully interdependent beings. So my intention going forward is to really realize the full capacity of that, to find ways to tap into the interdependent truth of what we are and to walk with a lighter step and to be able to be um, honoring of the planet that we come from and sourcing and how we live our lives so it's not at the expense of other people. You know, we are all culpable in this world stage as we see it. And to the degree of which you're going to run from that truth is the degree of which we will continue down the path we are. Don't be fooled. Your actions and the way you walk have very wide-reaching implications. And we're, we're modeling for each other, you know. So by setting the intention to be more mindful of how we are and also to be modeling of gratitude, it gives people permission around us to do the same. So... That's it for my intro. It's a little ad hoc, but I, I think it bears importance um, going forward. So for today's episode, I have the incredibly wise and fun Shannon Shine, who is a part of the project Bring Me to Life podcast network. Um, she and her partner have created a really wonderful platform that's bringing all sorts of beautiful lightworkers from across the globe together to have conversations just as we are about to have today. And I do have to say, this is maybe one of my favorite kinds of conversations. I really enjoyed our rapport and thought that um, it really exemplified something that I'd like to continue cultivating, and that is the yes and principle uh, behind improv, which is that you go with where your conversational partner leads. You don't have an agenda that you're essentially trying to get. You're just trying to know who you're talking to and to keep feeding the fire that is being cultivated regardless of what it looks like so we cover a lot of things I actually I, I wrote down a list just to for the blur but uh it's it's pretty long we cover a lot of really cool topics we talk about talismans and the crystal work uh grounding it into a more contemporary well my that's my goal is to ground in a contemporary usable practical field we talk about all of her offerings with past life regression and her one-on-one uh soul coaching program we talk about ethical spending and reframing the way we look at money we talk about holding space and creating containers for healing um and we explore the divine you know it's it's uh it's a pretty cerebral talk but it's cool because it's actually not that cerebral in the way that we talk about it we make it in very plain easy to use terms that i think could really benefit even more secular people you know it's it's just a creating a new language for how we navigate the more woo elements of life. And again, I'll say it multiple times, I don't use that term in a derogatory way. I think it's a brand of uh, language that I think can be really useful if we don't get trapped in the mires of spiritual bypassing and spiritual materialism. I think that there's a lot of important tools that we can actually be utilizing. And I'm really glad that Shannon helped create the container for exploring these things, you know, and I think we do a good job and, um, yeah, she, she's great. Uh, the Project Bring Me to Life platform is great. I have a lot of friends with podcasts on there, and they're doing some good work, so I'd implore you to check it out. All of her links are going to be in the description below. Like I said, she has quite a few different um, programs, coaching programs that could help you really uncover 
the truth of what you're trying to do. She's a very powerful person and a wonderful guide for understanding yourself without implanting her own biases or judgments or, you know, just we, we talk a good deal about holding space and creating a container. And I think that that's, that's the art that she's really offering is giving you a mirror to study yourself. So with that, I hope everyone is doing well once again. Uh, this intro might be a little bit longer, but you know, it, we're, we're nestled up to the new year and it's important that we uh, connect, um, I guess, host to listener so we can further bridge that gap. Uh, as always, if you want to support the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. It's uh, it's mega helpful. <laughs> yeah, I will keep saying it. It is um, seriously. It's it's the gold standard for how I can advance the agenda of this show and uh, reach more people. So if you are passionate about feeling alive and you want to see this conversation continue to happen, please uh, please support me. May I have another? Um, without anything else, I think that's covered it. We are fully on YouTube. That's exciting. I'm on iHeartRadio as well. Um, so we're expanding, uh, full sail ahead. Uh, yeah, without further ado, here is Shannon Shine. Shannon, hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're on the cusp of leaving one of the most difficult years for many people's lives. Um, and I'm glad that you're here uh, to help me usher in this new period of our lives. Um, yeah, I'm really excited too. Um, I, this has been such a hard year for so many people, but I've been feeling this sense of new energy coming through for the, the new year. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but it, it, we have to go up from here, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's important, I mean, regardless of if it's cheesy or not, to like really set that within your space, you know, like you kind of are the arbiter of the future space that you're moving into and you project like the shadow over it, then like you're going to get the shadow, you know. Totally. I, I agree with that. And I, I would like to see more people getting positive here at the end of the year. It's been such a year of heaviness that it's time to, to like light up our lives again. Yeah. It's interesting because um, this episode is about to be releasing for the new year, so I definitely want to have a focus on that. But we're actually recording it uh, a little bit before the solstice. So we are in the stretch right now. You're in the Eastern Standard Time Zone. So we're both kind of going through the same like amount of darkness. Like right now I look and it's just this overcast, dreary day. And how, how have you been uh, surfing these current waters that we're kind of in right now? Ooh, that eclipse, man, it about took me out. There was like a wave of just like dark, heavy energy around me for a couple of days. But then, like like I said, there was this wave of other energy that was just like hopeful and excited and a reminder that we have this like December 21st, because we're recording this, as you said before, that is supposed to be this just spiritual shift for everybody as well. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I know it won't be overnight, but um, I've been riding the wave the best that I can. Yeah. I think that's all we can really ask. You know, everybody's best is going to end up looking different, you know. Um, but I think it's important, like, as we go into the new year to just, like, really, like, take stock of the entirety of this past year has just been such a wild roller coaster. Like, we're really seeing all of the cracks in the foundation of our system as it is. 
you know, and what do you, what do you think the nature of this, this year has overall been like this kind of like peering behind the curtain to really see all the, both injustice and just the issues? Like, what do you, what do you think the nature of this transition, transitionary phase is? Well, I think it's kind of what your podcast is about too, is going into that new world and allowing ourselves to recreate the reality we want to live in. Um, I grew up with a very interesting upbringing and my dad didn't have a whole lot of inspirational things to say. But one thing he said that stuck with me was sometimes you got to hit rock bottom to make it to the top. And I feel like like humanity as a whole is kind of hitting that rock bottom for a couple months to a year so that we can take it back to the top and start just rearranging and giving the equality and the, the love to everyone that is needed. Yeah. I really like that idea a lot too. And it's like, it's from that rock bottom that we can actually stand on our own two feet, you know? And it's like, we have this, this tendency where we've kind of gone blindly throughout all of history, not really seeing all the effect of our actions. And this year, like all of our actions are just so much more on the surface, you know, like we're really starting to see the accumulated karma that we've been accruing as a society. And it's still kind of vague what the future is going to be. I try and I like the Terrence McKenna quote that um, anything but optimism is fatalism or suicidal, you know, but at the same time, like it's still very unwritten, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it is. And uh, I do a lot of like soul channeling and things and working with people on that level. And people will come to me for like readings and just guidance and everyone's asking like, what does the future hold? And I have to remind them that though some of us have intuitive guidance, we don't know what the future holds. And I've been saying all year, like people who talk about things like the Akashic records and the future, it's like, it's been melting. Like I just have these dreams of like the energy around us is just melting and rearranging. So yeah, it's, it's falling apart. I hope so it can get better. Yeah. And it usually has to, I mean, I heard, uh, actually fairly recently that when a caterpillar goes into the cocoon, we often think it just grows wings and it's beautiful, but actually it's turning into a goo and it's just like dissolving and then it reforms. So we're, totally. we're all turning into goo this year. <laughs> I feel kind of like goo, like we're just kind of floating in this like gel of the universe trying to see, you know, what is coming next. Yeah. I think so much of that kind of comes down to like, in Christianity, they call the word, like I am. It's like, what are you willing to will into being, you know, to a degree? There is like the external reality, which already has its conditioning. But I really like like the platform that you advocate and stand upon because it's, it's very much empowerment focused. And I think that we need more people who are speaking their authentic truths. And we may not all agree on the same things, but the radical authenticity that you and your platform radiates, you're constantly pushing out posts that I think it it helps lift the sphere, you know? So thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for holding that that energy down and always following your your path. I mean, I've been following you and CeeLo for, um, it's been a minute, you know, it's probably seven years <laughs> so yeah we've been we've been on this roller coaster with uh bring me to life and the community we've been building there it really is all about the authenticity and uh, we stand for equality and love and peace and all of those things but it's it is about finding your own divinity and creating a world that you wish to see um in 
thank you for like noticing my posts and things because I, I have another motto where it's like, I try to be who I needed when I was younger. And like I said, I had an interesting upbringing and I didn't always have the support that I needed. And I realized that a lot of people struggle because they don't have the support system and they don't have like a, a cheerleader out there telling them like, you can do anything if you really set your mind to it. Like so often people are like, oh, you gotta go to college. You gotta do it this way. You gotta do it that way. And it's really like, getting into your own divinity and figuring out what it is you want to do in your reality. And I try to be everybody's cheerleader. Sometimes I need a cheerleader too, but it's, it's nice to be able to give people a smile. Yeah. What do you think one of the greatest barriers is for other seekers who are struggling along the path? Like maybe from your own experience, like you want to be the person, like what did you need when you were younger? What was the thing? Um, Mainly I wanted somebody to allow me the space to explore and grow and not tell me how I needed to be. That's where I think the authenticity comes in, like allowing myself to just be however I need to be. And recently I, I've been really kind of pushing for the like making sure you feel all of your emotions because for a long time my platform was just pretty radiant about being positive and being the light but sometimes you need that darkness to see the light as well so um, I grew up again like being told I wasn't really supposed to cry and that I needed to be strong and like all of these different things and I'm here to remind people you know like sometimes you got to cry it out before you get to that smiley like positive perspective of life it's not all love and light as much as that's what many of us as spiritual teachers like teach but you got to feel through those emotions and that was a big roller coaster for me too was I thought I needed to show up in a certain way for people to appreciate my message, but the more authentic I am, the more I find I resonate with a bigger audience and it actually helps people feel more human. Like you can't be positive all the time and you got to work through the layers of your shadow to appreciate that positivity. Wow. That's pretty profound. I notice uh, a lot with like love and light culture. I don't think that it's inherently ill-intentioned, but I think it does kind of come from the space of maybe like uh, spiritual bypassing a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, and I've I was in the boat for years, like a lot of years of my life. I was kind of in this kind of pushing away of the aspects of myself that didn't look like the people that inspired me the most. Um, and yeah, I think like the love and light thing, it is very good, but it has to be something that's softened into rather than putting on before, you know? It's something that naturally kind of comes on and like, the less we try and force it, you know, it's just the better. It's something that naturally ebbs and flows and breathes. And um, it is definitely, you can only, I think it was Carl Jung that um, famously said that in order for a tree's branches to reach the heavens, its roots have to reach to hell, you know? Yeah, that light and darkness again. And I think I've noticed that a lot of it comes from too, I think the whole fake it till you make it mentality, like people want the love and light, even when they're, they're sad or frustrated, or they're not in the love and light state, because they're told, you know, you got to fake it until you're happy. And it's not always like that you got to work through it until you find that inner peace so that you can work in a, a bigger way for other people. Like if you can't help yourself and figure it out, and you're trying to go out there and spread a message or influence the world in a different way, how have you like taken care of yourself and reflected rather than pushing it on other people? Yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot of truth in that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it is like with faking it until you make it, this is something that I've kind of really been exploring the past two years. I, I would say that I, I wax and wane between um, kind of more new age thought and then like, 
typical Buddhism and then yogic philosophy, I found that that helps me alleviate suffering a lot. But the more that I sometimes lean in a new age kind of air quotes woo, I've actually yielded some really powerful results of this podcast being one of them. And like the principle of like fake it till you make it, I think has some actual grounded truth, but it should be maybe compartmentalized away from like your ability to withstand the the human vessel, you know, like there's kind of two lines of work. There's like pulling the reality that you want and then accepting the reality that you are in, you know, and I, I'm still trying to find like the right amount of balance, you know, there's like the acceptance, but then also like also accepting that you do have a relational preference, you know, have you like kind of like surfed on these kind of dynamics at all? Yeah, I, I think I brought up the fake it till you make it because that was something that I had thought a lot in my like late teen, early 20 years was like, I'm just going to be this badass and I'm going to figure it out and I'm, it's going to be fine. I'll fake it till I make it. And then I started realizing, you know, like that wasn't serving me because I wanted to actually like, again, be authentic. But um, while you were speaking, I thought of, I have a card deck. It's called the, the Secret Language of Light. And there's a card in it called the Vesca Pisces. And uh, many people are probably familiar with that. But if not, it kind of looks like a Venn diagram that you make with the two circles and there's the spot in the middle. And the, the card's reflection, it has a meditation and it talks about visualizing your life now and visualizing the life you want, like the what you want to make it. And then finding that middle ground in between the Vesca Pisces and allowing your your soul or your dreams or your journey or whatever to evolve through that and to to try to be the middle ground rather than just fake the whole end end game yeah. like enjoy the journey kind of thing yeah, yeah and i think in, in grounding it into the aspects that you already have i think it, it's how you like create an accumulation of like gratitude and i really think like the energy of gratitude is at the heart of uh, like manifesting a reality that you want is the more that you express like gratitude for the things that you have the more of those things you have and i know within my experience and my journey like when i was really faking it i wasn't really making it because the element of me that was faking it was actually pushing it away because it kept reinstating the idea of lack i need this thing and like i am this thing for sure but it was always on this shaky ground because i actually didn't have it you know yeah yeah totally i agree with that and that's one of the reasons I had to switch that mentality and find a new motto because you you want to release that idea of lack and appreciate what you do have and things like that. So that that gratitude has been really key for my journey as well. It sounds like it has been for years as well. Yeah, uh, I think like most of the spiritual teachers, like they'll say at one point, it's like, if you're not grateful for what is, then when you get what you want it to be, then you won't be grateful because it's what is. It's the same time and space it's just different conditions you know mm, totally totally gotta appreciate where you're at and again like you gotta enjoy that journey because if you keep wanting and wanting and wanting to get to the end outcome like are you going to remember what it took to really get there right. yeah and that's where like the gratitude comes from is like seeing your history and your past and then having compassion for it and showing you know just like man, I'm like humbled because like the entire time I was taken care of, even when it felt like I wasn't, you know? And like, I think that that's a big part of the gratitude is that there is always, some people have much less opportunity of autonomy to act within, but there is always an inch or a sliver of light that you can be moving towards. And it's just over time, skillfully learning how to see in the dark, you know? Mm, totally. 
totally totally kind of had another thing pop up in my mind too is sometimes we 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 actually make it to our dreams and we have to appreciate that sometimes it's okay to, to have a new dream have you ever had that happen where you accomplished something i think you you did this kind of in your with your massage and stuff too like you got to a certain place and you realized oh this wasn't for me and then you moved forward um because I, I've had that happen several times. I achieved the dream and thought I was at this point, And then I was like, you know, this isn't exactly what I was going for either. Yeah. I haven't had it with massage yet. Um, the massage I'm using is like a foundation to build so many other things. But I've definitely experienced it with my music making. Um, I've been doing the Ableton thing for, um, for uh, five years, six years. And I've kind of always held myself back because I would always get to the point where I'm like, I am one song away from like being able to like really stand on my laurels, you know, like I've made some like quality tracks in my opinion, you know, but then I've like held myself back because I always knew like it, I wasn't going to be happy once I was producing the music I wanted. And I kind of wanted to keep that veil of mystique there until it kind of caved in on itself. And I was like, I just need to be doing something else. But it, it yeah, the attainment. And I was going to say um, the idea of like always looking for the next best thing is a self-propagating um, system. So like mm -hmm. it is in within itself its own thing. And it doesn't matter what the conditions you're trying to meet because when you meet them, you're still operating on that system of going towards the next thing. And that's how we see people mm -hmm. like Donald Trump who are bloated caricatures of ego just like pursuing to their desperate ends, you know. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty crazy to see how some people react when they attain that achievement. Um, for me, I know for a long time when I was younger, I wanted to have a shop. And it was because um, I, I like to make a lot of art, make a lot of jewelry and things like that. And it was kind of like instead of going to college, which I did do, my, my family, my parentals, they were like, you should own a shop one day and sell all these things that you just make and have everywhere. And I got to the point I manifested that shop. I, I owned the shop for about three years. And then I just realized, you know, like, I achieved that dream, but I don't want to be stuck in this place forever. Yeah. And it's time to expand and to, to help people in a different way. Cause I was in my hometown and um, I kind of switched my dream and perspective again and went back to my roots with bring me to life and podcasting and spiritual work. And um, so I guess some, sometimes you go back to your original dream too and you go on side quests and you know, yeah. life is just a journey like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You definitely have like a pretty expansive toolkit. <clears throat> Sorry. Hold on something caught my throat there but you know when i look at all of the offerings you have you have your hand in so many different pots and i think that that is like definitely to your benefit you know you have so many different ways to like engage with people and i just think that like that is kind of the new norm and that's the way that i'm living my life too is you know like we're not made to do one thing unless you're the picassos of the world like i think it's good and each of your new things informs the other one you know and the pictures of your shop look amazing and we don't live in the same state even, but <laughs> everything I see that you put out is usually really quality. And I noticed over time, the quality bar is just continuously raising. And I just, I just wanted to give you that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it always feels good when somebody notices. Cause I'm like, some, again, sometimes you just do things to, to do them to the fullest and you don't know if anyone actually sees how much love and effort you put into the world. So I try, I try my best. <laughs> so thank uh, you. <laughs> and I, also really wanted to spend some time talking about uh, Project Bring Me to Life, too. You've mentioned it because um, that's, I mean, that's how I plugged in. I, I think I first heard of Ashton, our mutual friend, mm -hmm. and then I think it was through him that I met, well, kind of met you and CeeLo and um, 
yeah, what what inspired yeah. this entire network that you've made? So Bring Me to Life is a platform to help beings that have a positive message get out there. That's kind of how we started it was we started featuring musicians and artists such as yourself and podcasters that wanted to share their message with the world. And um, at the time, back when we started about seven years ago, there wasn't really too many platforms out there that were giving the, the spiritual entrepreneurs or leaders the place to speak. So we were doing podcasting and things like that. Um, Silo actually started the project himself. He went on like a, a nationwide journey to just discover basically his own spirituality. And then we met in the Appalachian Mountains a couple years later, and I, I helped him take it to the next level. And it, it kind of became one of my favorite passion projects. And uh, I love podcasting and just having a way to connect with different people and to get their message out is, has been really, really powerful. So it's kind of cool to be on the other side of the mic right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you too. I, I think what I really like about podcasting is that it forces you to really be on the cutting edge of your thoughts. You know, it, it's not enough to just like say a single sentence, which sometimes I do in a public setting. You know, I'm not like turned on to like be transmitting information or content, you know, so I really like that it like it forces me to just be on that edge, you know? Yeah. And you get to meet so many cool people and you get to learn about so many cool people. Like before I started podcasting, honestly, I didn't really listen to too many of them. When I met CeeLo, he was like all into podcasts and tell me all about him. And I was like, you mean like radio? He's like, no, it's like so much bigger than that. Like you can meet so many people and there's so many awesome people all over the world and you don't have to just be in your hometown. Like there's so many different kinds of podcasts, but we interview people from all over the world and it's been just so eye-opening to see how many amazing projects there are out there yeah that's something i'm actually been kind of feeling at first like i i originally set out the show with i made like a roster of i think it was like 30 to 40 people and i've been adding so many names of people who come into my sphere and a lot of these people like they're agreeing to talk to me and i'm like really you're agreeing to talk to me like what am i doing you know but there's so many amazing projects out there and like at first, I was like a little worried about not having the content to keep it going. But now I'm like, oh, there's too much content. There's so many people. <laughs> you find the time. You know. Um, so what? Totally. When did it become the network? Because I know when I first tuned in, it I think it was like just the, the project bringing me to life as a podcast, right? When did you make mm -hmm. that decision to like, oh, no, this is going to be a community? Well, in about 2014 is when I, I helped CeeLo expand it and we started interviewing more people. Um, and then I, like I said, I had a shop for about three years and what expanded there was instead of doing solely podcasts, CeeLo started adding a radio aspect to it because we wanted an all positive radio because so often you will turn the radio on and it's sad music or it's just music that doesn't stick with your vibe. So we created a platform where we could feature musicians that we met on the road at the various festivals and events we were attending and teaching at and it kind of blew up from there. We had people start messaging us about wanting to do their own podcast, wanting to share their music, wanting to write articles. And these are all things that we, we look forward to people doing and submitting things. And um, we've started a little team to kind of help go through the content. Cause like you said, there's so much all the time um, in this, this coming year, I really feel like it's going to take off even more because so many people have went to the virtual world. Um, and around, I think it was 2015, we did our first virtual festival before virtual festivals were cool. We called it Shine Online and we had about five musicians and five um, workshop leaders teach uh, different things on there. And it, that's, I think, where the community aspect really started expanding because we saw how we could get so many different messages out even beyond just podcasts. Um, and it, it 
kind of got a mind of its own and we were just here to, to help guide it and birth it into this reality. Uh, I always like the idea of like the midwife of ideas, you know, and I feel like every good project, like the community is something like you have to put a little bit of effort to like create a structure, but most of the time it kind of organizes itself around the cause, you know, and mm -hmm. as I see how things have been growing for you and the people that kind of are in your orbit, you know, it, it you know, have definitely gotten that that sensation, you know, that people just keep like getting like pulled into that gravity. And, you know, I, I think it's a good thing for a lot of people. Totally. And I, I think projects go in waves too. I think I want to say that to people because so often they get excited about something and then it starts to get hard and they stop. And that that's happened with us several times with Bring Me to Life. It hits like a plateau where we're like, okay, well, what's next? And you kind of just have to I don't know if meditate through it is the term because you're not always sitting still, but it feels like the project's at a standstill. And then there'll be this wave of just content and amazing people. And I realized that it kind of goes with the wave of the artist's mind. Like artists will hit that block sometimes and there won't be a whole lot of content to share. And then there's just like so much, like you said earlier. So yeah. if you're somebody out there listening and you're like, man, I want to start a big project like this and you start and then you hit a break, you can always pick it back up and take it to the next level. Yeah. And I think it's actually those moments where everything kind of seems like it's grinding to a halt where you really get to like set the intention of like what you're doing. Are you in it for the long haul or are you going to be reactive? You know, it's like you can either respond and like, okay, so like right now I'm in a lull. This gives me an opportunity to have space to set an intention for the future. Whereas a lot of people will be like, oh, it's not working out. I'm a failure. Everything's bad. And, you know, and it's like that's a moment where it really gives you a chance to express who you are in it. Like, are you here to stay? And like that will carry over to the content and like people want to support a story that is good, you know, and if it gets infused with this sense of dread and self-loathing, then like it's going to it's going to affect the content, you know. Yeah. And I found, too, that when it goes to those waves, it's because we're all evolving or us as the, the co-creators have been evolving. Like Sula and I will take a break for a couple months and we'll like do our own inner work or we'll take a course and learn something new or we'll read some books and things. And it just like ignites that spark again. And we have new messages to share because we don't want to be sharing the same thing over and over. And we also want to like step back tune in and make sure that we're still in alignment with our message and you know kind of keeping from that ego thing happening where people get too full of themselves when they they start something big so we like to keep ourselves in check and take breaks too so yeah. i totally get that plus i mean this is something i may have said on the podcast but the idea of like stepping back so someone else can step forward is something that i i've i'm learning a lot of in this fall mm -hmm. winter season um in my own personal relationships but also i think with like any big project like this like if you step back it gives it lets you see exactly who is there you know because like those people will be like hey what's going on I've, I've been listening and like those are the connections you need to double down on you know but unless you have that vacuum potentially you know those people might not come forward and like hey i'm really liking this content you know and then you can help co-create the future of the show together you know I love that. Yeah, you never know who's listening, who's out there cheering you on. Like, like you said, you've been watching us for seven years, and like we've we've spoken here and there, but it, it's it's cool to think how many people are out there, like even listening to your podcast that you don't have a clue. Yeah. And and sometimes I'll think about that. I'll be in my studio and I'll be making jewelry, listening to a podcast, and I'll like listen to it and binge listen, and I'll be like, this person has no idea. I just spent like four hours yeah. like diving into everything they had to say, and I think it's so great. So yeah. you never know who's out there. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it's also, I mean, I, I just heard this phrase today in my meditation group. I'm in um, the idea of like something that you say could spider web in a way where it's like someone you didn't even know was listening could take that and then spread that to someone else in their network. And it's like your words have such far reaching, especially when you were blasting it out into the ether as we are, you know, it's just like having confidence that, you know, like if you're doing the thing, like some aspect of reality wants you to be doing the thing and people will benefit. Totally, totally. Yeah, I, wow, that's so powerful. And sometimes it overwhelms me to think that too. Like I'll take a break and I'll be like, um, should I really have like went there on that topic or like, and I think that's where we got to remember too, that we have to grow and that's where authenticity comes into play. So if like maybe in the moment you start a project or you like, sometimes I'll go on a podcast and we'll get in discussions and it'll get side railed and you have to like be willing to admit like, okay, I've learned from that discussion. Um, I know that was a big thing earlier with them. Um, like there was, there's so many topics actually of 2020 that really opened my eyes from the equality situations to the amount of um, just people needing things, everything, living, living needs and like seeing how much of that's out there and like taking my life for granted. And I, I really had to like step back and be like, wow, okay. So I've opened my eyes and I realized that there, there needs to be a lot of changes, not only in my world, but the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that those changes definitely start within, you know, the more we're more clear we're able to look within our own experience and see, especially with the inequality uh, conversation that was brought up in such a big way, you know, like we are all kind of culpable and responsible to some degree, you know, and I mm -hmm. think that there has been a level of um, passing off of responsibility in like every community. Um, the podcast that is going to release after this, I kind of have this conversation about the nature of yoga and the way that that yoga community has kind of usurped its uh, responsibility in like ending systemic inequality, you know, and it's, it's in every community, you know, we all have to be having this conversation within ourselves. And it, it's weird, because it's so fresh right now that I almost feel like there's been a lull this winter, especially with like the election. But I could definitely see, mm -hmm. you know, like that seed is planted. And I feel like this spring, the sprout of what this past year was really going to start coming into play and it's really going to differentiate the platforms that deserve support and the platforms that are outdated and antiquated and you know totally totally i i agree with that and it, it's all about that evolution and, and growing into that that new opportunity and that new version of humanity that needs to, to kind of blossom here going got to sprout those wings from the goo yeah it's time yeah 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 <laughs> So another part of your platform, and you actually mentioned it earlier, and I haven't really talked to anybody who self-subscribes as this, ascribes words. Um, what exactly is channeling? <laughs> what? Because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people hear that and have a different idea than what it actually is. So I just some clarity on how you've developed that relationship in your life and how it guides you and maybe what it isn't. Totally. So channeling has been a big thing for me recently, um, especially because I'm working on kind of a channeling opportunity with CeeLo and our friend BP um, with a, a, an experience we're offering about creativity. And channeling for me is really this connection to the divine, whatever the divine is to you. I'm a firm believer that everybody has their own perspective. So I don't typically use the word God um, because again, I, I had such an interesting upbringing. I, I was raised by many different families and they all had such different perspectives that um, one thing I am grateful for is it gave me the ability there to see different sides of what divinity could be in the connection to the divine. 
And um, that being said, when I was really young, I lost both my parents and I needed to connect with spirit in a different way, especially their spirit. So I started just meditating before I knew what meditating was. And a lot of times it wasn't me sitting still. It was me painting or scribbling or drawing or humming or dancing. And I think you can channel in all of those ways. Um, any form of creativity to me is a, is a form of divine channeling because you're creating something from nothing, even if it's a movement in your, your body with dance. And I, I hold soul, what I call soul sessions because uh, at first I was a card reader. I did the, the Oracle thing. I didn't really use tarot, but I, I did the Oracle card thing. And I realized that when I was holding space for people, it wasn't just me and my personal experience that I was allowing some sort of message to just flow through me that sometimes was a lesson to me. I often find that most of the people I work with, they're coming to me so that I can channel a message for them and myself. And I'm like, dang, did I just say that? Like, I need to take that advice. Yeah. And that's where that authenticity comes in. And I'm like, okay, I hear you out there, universe, spirit, God, whatever it is out there that's speaking to and through me. Um, and I think that we can all do it. So that's something I want to say too, is so many people are like, oh, these people think they're channeling something and they, they're doing this, that, and the other. And it's like, no, we're, we're all able to do a, a channeling experience it's when you hold space to really kind of feel in your heart what message needs to come through from beyond you yeah i like that yeah for me it almost it seems because like the idea to me isn't really even there is the the metaphysical aspect of it i i don't typically use metaphysical terms because i try and really approach mm -hmm. accessibility as like a core tenet but at the same time, mm -hmm. I think it is a very beautiful map and model to use. So sometimes, I mean, with my own interpretation, I will kind of dip into that. And the idea of channeling for me is like, it's the process of getting into a flow state where your mind doesn't limit the messaging that the rest of your body knows. So, and we can even say it is divinity, um, but like the divinity of the body, the divinity of your like higher wisdom. And I mean, higher, not as something outside of yourself, but something that is innate within the core makeup of what it means to be human in which we all share. Like, what would you say divinity is in uh, this regard and in any regard? And again, there's no right or wrong in whatever frame you want to use. I, yeah. Totally. Um, well, that's something I explore and I feel like I've given different descriptions of divinity every time someone asks me, but in this moment, I'm kind of feeling like it's like that connection to, again, something bigger than you, like you said, and just holding space to, to know that something somewhere somehow put us here and I want to connect to that energy. Um, for a long time, I was mad at the, the normal perception of God, because like I said, I lost both my parents pretty young and there was a bunch of just negative things that happened in my early years. And I was just like, if there's this God out there, why is he doing all these things to me? And I, it was like a he thing too. So I was like hating on the, the masculine vibe. And I was like, I don't want to be like this. I want to appreciate my experience here in this physical realm. Um, my parents didn't really get to, and a lot of people I know that I've lost didn't get to experience that connection. And I wanted to feel more alive. So I took the time to kind of reflect on how I connected with the energy that put me here in this time and place to, to experience all of this chaos around me all the time and also keeps me grounded and cared for and focused. So that's, that's kind of a roundabout, I guess, what the divinity connection yeah. is to me. And that is, I mean, maybe not fair for me to like ask a question like that. What is God, uh, by I, the I, way? <laughs> you know. I did my best yeah, there. No, yeah, that, I think that, that, um, that sums it up. That's very similar to how I feel about it. And the idea that I just had was I've heard, I don't remember who said it, and I feel bad that I don't, but God is a, 
an acronym for good orderly direction. And the idea that like what you were saying with um, the thing that put us here, I would also say is the same thing that is creating the forward momentum of our lives. So like in tapping with the fact that like all of evolution like has been propelling forward, it's like a verb. It's like this active thing that we're a part of. And it's like tapping into the aspect of that forward momentum in this current moment and like being on the edge with that and that really crisp, fresh nowness. You know, I think that that is, I think divinity is the one of the best words we could use because it is such a massive massive framework you know it's incomprehensible yeah i I like to use the word divinity and the divine like i said sometimes people like well they will shrug it off because it seems kind of like metaphysical and things but uh, i try to stay open to again like all walks of life i i try not to get too too woo even though that's kind of my own path i like my crystals and my art but uh, even with my crystal uh, work um i always try to remind people that objects have what power you give them and the reason i share like crystal properties and experiences and things like that with my jewelry is because as a collective consciousness there is a large group of people that put that kind of intention on different stones or even oils and things like that and your mind is such a powerful powerful tool that if if you need this stone as a reminder this oil or uh, whatever it is you work with as your your physical tools and if you're not into the metaphysical thing that's fine some people use different foods and nutrition options some people use again yoga or running or using um like physical tools and working out like maybe they're not metaphysical at all but there's somebody who goes to the gym that's still their way of connecting with the divine because they're tapping out of the world around them for a moment and giving themselves time to connect with their body even if they're not into divinity at all yeah yeah and i i think the another addition to like the idea of crystals and stuff because i like i said i've waxed and waned with a lot of different things and now i'm probably the most open i've been in like a, I would consider like a sustainable way. And with crystals, I feel like it's a talisman, you know? And I really love that you said it's the power that you give it. And a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of look down on like the idea of placebo, but like how incredible is it that our minds have the capacity to change our physiology and we can use it at will, <laughs> you know? Totally, totally. I have a really cool, real quick crystal story that I, I feel guided to share for people that are like, they're getting into the crystal story really. But it's like, I once upon a time I had um, an amethyst crystal and my grandmother was really sick on and off. It's kind of where I really got into my spiritual journey and she basically went into a coma and I was just distraught. I was like early 20s and was like, what do I do? How do I help? Um, I kept thinking I was this healer that I could heal others when really I needed to heal myself. And I talked to a friend who was doing something called theta healing at the time and we like meditated with this amethyst crystal and she basically led me through a meditation where I held the crystal and we went up these mental stairs and I carried my grandmother's energy there and gave her a chance and asked the divine and was like, hey, can you like tell me if my grandma wants to live or not? Because I just don't even know how to help her. Like, I don't want to keep willing in my mind and my reality to have her here if she doesn't want to be here. And then I just kind of let it at that. In my heart, I felt like she had made a choice that she wanted to be here. And then my my aunt actually called me and was like, what did you do? Your grandmother just woke up and said you were there with a purple stone. And I was like, are you serious right now? And it like freaked me out. Cause at that point I was like, do crystals work? What is this? This is just a pretty stone. I just, it's giving me comfort. You know, it's like a good luck charm. But then that happened and I was like, oh okay so it it changed my perspective on just the placebo thing too and that doesn't happen for everybody but 
it's a story that happened for me and is a, is kind of one of my messages to share. So I like to share it for people that are like, what am I doing with these rocks? Are they actually helping me? <laughs> That's an incredible story. And it kind of makes me double back and like, because like I was making the point about placebos in a very positive way, but like that almost is like beyond the scope of what I mean by placebo. And, you know, there's stories like this that happen more often than we like to think, you know, and like everybody has an experience of something that's kind of like supernatural in that regard. Mm -hmm. And it's like, once you've had that experience, there's no going back, you know? Right. And, wow. That's fascinating. Yes. Yeah, I, I started collecting, it happened with her multiple times too. Like one other time she went into a coma space and um, I had a malachite crystal and it was a heart and I stuck it on her heart and her, she didn't wake up then, but her vitals started moving differently and stuff. And I was like, there is something crazy, whether it's me or the stone or just my energy and my belief system, it just felt so powerful. And that's kind of where I got my obsession with rocks and making crystal amulets. It's kind of like my fun side project and it's been blossoming just as much as the podcast network. So uh, it's been exciting to, to see that energy and where spirits kind of led me with all of it. How long have you been doing the, uh, the amulet game? Um, well, I've actually been making jewelry for over 12 years, but the, the crystal amulets kind of came into play around 2012 during the 2012 kind of chaos opening. Got you. It was an opening too. <laughs> yeah, I think the idea yeah. of making like an adornment like that is such a powerful thing. I'm going to have a friend on future seasons um to talk about like jewelry making but the idea of especially mm. when you're infusing with like the the properties of the crystals that you've probably created a conversation with your clients about you know like that talisman is it's very powerful like people i mean don't bat an eye the idea of wearing a cross as a form of protection but you know some people may do the same thing for like a crystal but like honestly i think that has more credence to like power because it's a part of the earth and you know, you've infused it yeah. with a very specific intention, you know? Totally. I get people like just last night, I, I had somebody who's been kind of on the front lines of the COVID mess and she, she's been really down and out. And I sent her an amulet that she, she, she ordered. She was like, I feel like I need one of your pieces. It'll cheer me up. And then she sent me a video of her like dancing and her like Christmas outfit all lit up. She's like, look, I'm shining real bright. Your amulet like gave me life again. And not only was she dancing for her, but she was like in her office cheering people up and just like the idea that she was willing to message me and give me credit for the energy I put into something she was wearing to, to give her that light again. I was like, dang, that's powerful. Thank yeah. you. And it gives people an opportunity to like make an investment into themselves. And that's something my, mm -hmm. me and my friend talked about, about like by creating this container for them to interact with where it's like they're imbibing that purchase a, they're supporting you, and B, they're creating the intention within themselves to address a part of their experience. And like, this is something I want to be better about. It's that kind of like acceptance and being present with what is, you know? I don't think it's like mm. escaping, you know? I think it it is kind of a coming home, you know? Like, if you pick out a specific crystal that helps you, I, I don't really know any properties, uh, but just deal with like impermanence, you know? Or something like, I want to love more. I want my heart to be more open. Every time you see that, that, that talisman or that crystal it's it's a meditation it's a bell of mindfulness to be like this is something i'm working with it like reaffirms that part of your journey it's it's kind of like totally. in dante's inferno uh, virgil who walks dante through the layers of hell it's like the crystal is the virgil <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And they do like they serve kind of like a monument in time too. I, I know that I went through a really 
just rough health situation a couple years ago and somebody walked up and they, they gave me a mala it was like a lava bead mala and i didn't really know anything about malas at that point but i was doing some like meditation and yoga training myself and every time i start to kind of get into bad mindset again i think about that and then i go and i grab that mala and i just wear it and she had also put like frankincense on it so like the the smell of frankincense also just gives me that reminder of like safety and love and that somebody cared enough to like infuse that energy and gift it to me so even somebody who makes jewelry like it's always a gift when somebody wants to adorn you with something yeah yeah, I mean, the idea of gifting in general is a very powerful thing. But also the idea of, mm -hmm. I, I have um, some wire wraps from different eras of my life. And a lot of them have mm -hmm. like pretty opulent stones on them. And it's interesting because like while I wore those through that period of my life, I've kind of identified through them. It's something you like, your chest forward, like that, this honking massive amulet, you know, and it's like you identify through that and you go through experiences and it kind of soaks up the energy of that era at least psychologically because it's you it's an extension of you so then when you go a while without wearing it and you look back i look back at these amulets and it transports me to a different time and place where it's like oh i remember the work i was doing and like oh my god i've came so far <laughs> you know mm, totally i think that's why i love jewelry like I love expressing myself and myself in different ways like that. Um, some, I dye my hair quite frequently. I change my style quite frequently. But jewelry is something that lasts typically decades and you can pass it on generation to generation, which is why I, I kind of focused on it as one of my art forms. Um, many years I did painting and I still paint. I'm getting back into my painting and it was like my main outlet. But you can only put so much wall like art on your yeah. walls. I mean, and, and like I ran out of space and I started collecting my other friends art. But jewelry... I mean, I guess somebody could say you could have too much jewelry, but I don't. I don't think it's possible, really. My mom's got a lot of jewelry. <laughs> She's got one of those boxes, and it's not even like handcrafted jewelry. It's like she like watches that TV channel where it's kind of like mm. call in twenty minutes to get twenty dollars off, and she she loves it. I mean, if it makes her happy, it makes her happy. But she's got this massive box of just rings, and I'm just like, mom, you're not gonna wear any of those. <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I totally get that my grandma was the same way she's raised me and the qvc was like always always that's like. what it was <laughs> yeah yeah and there's definitely something about like supporting uh in terms of like crafts and like artistic goods from other people like purchasing from people that you know like not only is it supporting them but it also like building that relationship it it changes your relationship to the craft that you're purchasing you know you have a different thing than if like you don't know the person who made it you just thought it looked nice so you got it which is okay on one level but like if you want to use it as like a talisman like being there from the ground up i think is just a really powerful attribute totally totally and, and knowing that you're helping somebody else i think is pretty powerful and that's something i tried to focus on through this this holiday season i know this is coming out after but uh, it was really important to me to kind of see what businesses i could support and things like that because it's like we talked about earlier it's been a hard year but any year and any time it's important to to focus on you know helping somebody else achieve their dream rather than a big box that's probably like already achieved their dream in many ways yeah yeah i think I mean, we're looking at this year, the option, uh, not everybody's going to take this option, but especially with the pandemic and our reliance on Amazon, I think this is a really wonderful window to reallocate the way we spend our money and to change our relationship with money to support local in like a real way, especially now as businesses are closing in mass, you know, I would really love to set the intention. And I don't even know if I could do this as a way like throughout the show to like have a 
couple episodes based on like conscious spending. You know, I just think mm. we have to change our relationships with so many things in the next coming years. And I, I think the one of the main ways we interface with reality in this current capitalistic system is through our spending, you know? Mm. I, I agree there. It's It's so easy to just go and order something or to go to like around where I'm at literally our only store is like a Walmart we're in like a food and store desert in the Appalachian Mountains where I'm from and it's it's so much more powerful to to find somebody and to know that you're giving them that smile like I know every time I get an order for like an amulet or anything I, I work on I do like a little happy dance so to know that there's somebody doing a happy dance on the other end of my my offering to them and I get something out of it too it's like it just seems so much better and the spiritual spending or the the internal spending is, is is needed. We don't reflect and think about that. And I, this year really opened my eyes too, because there was so much call to support like um, just small business and just diff- all the different businesses that aren't power hungry, really. Yeah, yeah it's I actually, I really like the, the kind of idea of, um, I, I was just thinking like I had the image of like embodying our output, but that also kind of like, at the same time is going to require us to really embody our input in terms of our spending. You know, it's like our output being the businesses that we support them, giving them our money, but also like, how are we making our money? What systems are we plugging into by plugging into this big chain store? And oftentimes I'm not trying to guilt anybody or shame because there sometimes might not be opportunities and that's very real, but like right livelihood is a real thing, you know, and like, what are we doing moving forward now that the economic system has shaken up so much? And like, this offers us a chance to really step into right livelihood. We really, really have to break this idea of like minimum wage and hourly pay, I think, as a human society, like, I'm a big Star Trek fan and I love that none of them even know what money is really like they laugh when the idea of money comes up and um, I I try not to be one of those people that hate on money because money is a powerful thing and you can do so many things and help so many people if you have access to it so I'm not a money hater but I wish like you said it was easily attainable for more people and the idea of minimum wage pay for so many people it makes it hard to really invest into other people into like handmade things even sometimes because the the prices they go up for the craftsmanship and typically when we want to support small business we want to pay them for their worth and I, I I know that so many people do ask often for like discounts and things but if they don't necessarily realize that they're um maybe hurting that person's livelihood, but it's because maybe they don't have the access to the same abundance and they don't understand the amount of energy that went into it because they're so used to getting that instant gratification from going to like Amazon or Walmart and Amazon's made it so easy to order something and get it like within a day or two where, you know, sometimes you have to wait for things. Like I know I used to order cacao from like different places and now I get it straight from the source and that was a a big shift for me and it it feels so much better in my body too to like have ceremonial cacao that I know that I'm supporting the families that are like creating it for me rather than just getting you know some powder paste off of the internet yeah and I, I think purchasing through the biggest possible like sales operation like like the amazons of the world it also like it disconnects you from the world it disconnects you from the people who are actually doing the work to like make it and like we need those connections in order to keep it sustainable like we can't live in a world where we're not supporting each other directly you know and i don't i also am glad that you said that you're not like a money hater i don't think money is inherently evil um 
I, I think it's just a form of energy that we like. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned like the hour, working an hourly wage. I think is it's kind of an insidious thing. It's like literally trading your vital life energy of which you have a limited amount for a specific material. It's an energy exchange, you know? And I think yeah. what's really important is that you can set your own value. <laughs> That's something that I noticed as I got uh, licensed to do massage is like that gave me the capacity to be like, my time is now worth this much. I set that. Mm-hmm. It takes a skill or something to levy. You know, you have to have something to be able to offer. But like in finding clever ways to set your own value of time, I think is the economy of the future. Totally. I've, I've loved seeing that through 2020 because so many people did get laid off and things, which was really sad at first. But then seeing how many people creatively were able to access their dreams in a different way, like people who would have never taken the time off because they were stuck in the, the hourly mindset and the I have to work for someone else. And then they weren't giving the option to work for someone else and they had to figure it out. And they went out there and they did something different and they they started doing their music or they started, you know, creating something or helping people or learning a new skill. So so that when the world does kind of open back up again fully that they can really go out there and hit the hit the world running and bring something big and beautiful to themselves rather than just fearing you know the the idea of working the hourly job is terrifying for so many because they are like oh i could get fired at any time and i try to remind people too that like when you're stuck in those those day-to-day jobs especially if it's something that you're not feeling fulfillment out of that if you're not spending time with your family and doing the things you love to maybe do a little reflection check because most jobs won't hesitate to replace you, but you can't replace the time following your dreams and spending time with the people you love. Yeah. Dang. A jazz fingers, but it won't sound that good in the recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What was I just going to say in relation to that? Um, oh God, it was like right there. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 jazz yeah. fingers. It was the jazz fingers that threw me off. Um, but, like, I think that there are, when we're talking about money being an energy or, uh, like, a vital resource, I think there there are other resources that could end up, if you invest into them, they will later pay off as money. And I think fulfillment and inspiration is one of the vital resources that we can instead be working for. And, I mean, there's definitely a balance and everybody's going to come to their own space of working with fulfillment and inspiration. But, like, in seeking out that while you're doing other jobs, I think we'll create, like, a surplus that will later on in life, it's a longer-term game, but the more you work out of fulfillment, the more energy you're going to be bringing to yourself, the more that you have to offer for the financial. But you have to be working towards inspiration and fulfillment. You have to actively seek that in your life in order to you know, have that payoff in the material world, you know? Mm. Yeah, invest in yourself as much as you invest time and energy into other people. Like if you're going to work on somebody else's dream, work on your own as well. Yeah. Like invest in that. And I think that's why there's been such a surge in like, um, just like, leaders and teachers and like courses and like every time I get online there's like a new course or something and um, I, I offer several different containers but I try to hold them more as experiences because I don't necessarily want to teach somebody everything I want to hold the space for them to step into their own power like whatever that is or their own creativity or their own just again like following what feels right for them in that moment while you're doing that work I actually really like that you just kind of said that you, you create the container for people to come into that power themselves. What do you think are some of like the big barriers that keep people from having stepped in 
did I already ask it? I feel like I'm asking something that I did at the beginning, but I, I feel like it's kind of fresh in this context. Like you in your specific work and your offerings, how do you ensure that they're coming to that space themselves? Kind of like what I mentioned earlier, I try not to hold just my own perspective. I want them to come into it with their perspective as well, because I've I've been a student for with many different teachers that want to teach me their way. And it's like if I'm not doing something their way, they don't want to help me because they don't want to allow the expansion or they just they don't know how to help me. Maybe um, for me, when I hold a container, I love to hear questions. I love for the people in the container to communicate with each other. And even though I might be the host or the leader at the time, I try not to be the only one, you know, because that's where a sense of ego comes in. I don't want to be like the only leader. I want to learn from everybody that's in the container. Um, I put a lot of time and energy into creating workbooks and activities and things to help them expand their minds. Um, and in a couple of the offerings, I do that with my partner and friends that have stepped into to be co-leaders with me. But I, I really strive to, to see people blossom in their own and not just be like, okay, it's this way. You got to use this crystal or you got to do this project exactly this way, or you got to meditate exactly like this. Cause I, I quickly learned, you know, like I used to hate the idea of meditating and anything spiritual. Like honestly, yoga, I used to laugh and think, Oh, I'll never do yoga until, you know, my body needed to stretch. And I found a different perspective of it. It wasn't all the love and light woo stuff like we talked about earlier. And it was like really me connecting with my body and feeling like where the pains were. But when somebody told me I had to do it a very specific way or that I wasn't postured right. And I understand there's very specific movements and postures and things, but I had to learn that on my own, you know, like, and I think that a lot of people are like that. They don't like being put in a box or told exactly what to do. They want to learn it through their own experience. So I hold space for that. Wow. So what are some of the various containers that you actually have offering right now? Cause I know you have, you have quite a few different ways that you operate with clients and groups and like, what are, what are some of your offerings in that regard? Hmm, cool. Thanks. Um, so I, I do soul sessions, which are kind of like my one-on-one -on -one space where people can come to me privately, but I offer group offerings again, cause I think community is key. Like you learn from others. You're going to learn from a group of eight to 10 people way more than you're going to learn from just me channeling for you. So I have a couple things. One I do, um, I call it the alignment journey and it's kind of focused around the chakras and the emotional aspect of releasing like guilt, shame, fear, um, coming into your own self-expression and intuition. And that's a really fun one. I, I do like a, a free version of it in my my group and with bring me to life a lot and then i have one that i call soul journey which kind of opens up to the idea of different spiritual tools that have helped me and other people and i always welcome people to to share like what tools they use because i don't want them just using my tools and we we go through a five-week kind of experience with that one and hold like a I called it a spiritual mastermind where everybody came in we reflected on our weeks together and um, I'm going to be doing that one again soon but the one I'm really excited about right now for those listening if you hear this before January 11th we're doing one called divine expression and creativity and we have an on-demand version that'll be available for you listening in the future you time travelers out there but um it's it's really focused on connecting to what your creative drive is so maybe you write or maybe you draw or dance or sing or maybe you want to do those things and you felt like you weren't good at any of them it's 
it's a container to help you just do it and to do it for the sake of enjoyment and connection to the divinity and to express yourself in a way that maybe you've never done before or you want to do better. So we, we call it DEC for short and it's all over the Bring Me to Life website. Oh, wonderful. One of them, because I was, I was poking around your content uh, recently mm -hmm. and I saw that you offer um, past life regression uh, sessions. What, yeah. what is that? Oh, so that is pretty cool. Um, so for a long time, I was like, I don't know what I believe in these things. And I started doing the work myself and somebody offered me what they called a quantum healing session. And basically, I, I fell in love with the idea because it helped me really dive into my own trauma and see where that stemmed from even beyond this, this realm and this time, because I could see myself in like different clothes and it wasn't necessarily me but i felt my soul was in there and i started doing some training with it and it's some people call it hypnosis but to me it's a different form of um, subconscious meditation i guide you through a meditation and i typically ask you if you have any questions for your yourself your higher self or your past self and usually people will come with like 10 to 15 questions and um, I, I help you get into a meditative state where you can communicate with me and I will record them so that you can listen to it later because usually you're kind of channeling yourself, you're channeling your, your experience. And I, I always wondered because I wanted to do past life regressions with people, but I didn't want someone just telling me something because then I was like, well, what if they're manipulating my mind and then they tell me I was this great princess or something and then I'll live my life thinking I was this person. And it's like, no, I want to have the feeling myself and kind of unravel it myself so when i learned about the this kind of method it was really empowering because it wasn't me telling the person what just i felt but often once we get into that state of mind and i start asking the questions i will close my eyes with them and i start to get a visual representation because my channeling is is very visual as an artist i'll see kind of like the realm that they're seeing too and we have a discussion and I ask them like, what clothes are you wearing? Like, where are you at? So we can kind of get a perception of like what time or era they maybe have had this life in. And it's really profound to see because I'll look at somebody and I'll be like, oh, I might've thought, you know, you were a like person that worked on a boat or did this thing, but then they'll come out and they'll be like, no, I was a librarian <laughs> and I loved books and I did this. And I'm like, oh, cool. I love that. That's totally not what I would have expected. So. It's, it's kind of like act, activating your subconscious mind and unlayering where you've been before the now. Whoa. So in relating that to trauma, um, I have a, a fancy for trauma work. And I actually, I mean, I guess I'm not like the most plugged into the science, but I'm, I'm pretty well versed. And I could actually see this lining up with the current scientific model of trauma. Um, there's mm -hmm. this gentleman named Peter Levine, who his whole thing is like trauma exists in the body. And it's a, a way to process trauma is that you don't like revisit the past as it was, but as you see it now, because it's more important about getting your body into the state that it was in so that you can process it in the now moment. And I feel like by utilizing the past life principle, you could actually allow them to enter into those energetic nervous system states without over identifying and then re-traumatizing themselves. And I mean, we're talking about like a deeply vulnerable work, but how it's how is that kind of shown up in your sessions without like getting too specific, you know, for the confidentiality of your clients? I mean, 
Yeah, I don't have to say names, but I, I, I have one that kind of sticks out is I had a client who um, she'd recently went through a divorce and she wasn't like on bad terms with her partner, but she would have a panic attack every single time her kids had to go visit with them. And she's like, I don't understand it because we're still friends, you know, like I can call them like if they needed me, I could go pick them up. There wasn't like a trauma response there in this reality. So she couldn't understand it. And we went into meditation and we did the the process and she led me to this time where she lived kind of um, a village life and she was outcast by the village for her beliefs and she lived outside of it. And when she had a child because she didn't have the husband, I don't know if it was like um, like they weren't married or maybe he was somebody else, but basically they took her children away from her and she was left alone in this forest and she was just traumatized in that life. So now in this reality, she was just so afraid that that was going to happen again and that, that they were going to be taken from her, even though she had a, a good relationship with their, the current father. So it just kind of shows how things can be generational. And some sometimes it's like people will be like, well, that's just her imagination. It's like, well, if that's her imagination, that's fine. But it showed her what her biggest fear was in that moment and why she was feeling that trauma. She's Her fear is abandonment. And how can she work through that? Well, she can know that one, she's probably not going to have her children taken away if her and her partner are in good terms and that isn't always the case but in this case it was and we were able to do a couple of practices where instead of just past life sometimes I'll focus on the future life too and I'll be like okay so we, we saw what happened in the past what would you like to see in your future like how can we we program this differently in your mind and I'll take it to, to both directions but a lot of reasons people come to me for that that past life that deep dive is because they are dealing with some intense trauma Whoa. Yeah, and I think speaking to the folks who may be dismissive, like, oh, it's just their imagination, like, that's, I don't know, I feel like that actually even adds more credence, you know? And I'm not making a, a substantive, substantial, like, statement on what is actually happening in that session, but, like, I don't think it's really, like, important, you know? Like, whatever model allows you to enter that space to where they're creatively or accurately seeing a past life like it if it is imagination it's going to be their deep subconscious forces the archetypes that they're kind of like currently living through projected into another 3d space you know and i mean without fully knowing if it is or isn't you know i think you know whatever lens you want to apply to that it, it's still the same work you know mm -hmm. um, totally and it, it's all about the safe space too like I, I really try to honor the safe space with my, my work because I mean, like I share that story, but I'm not going to share someone's name because it's powerful to have somebody you can work with, whether it's me or anybody you feel comfortable with to share that kind of vulnerability because I think that's where a lot of trauma comes from too is the, the sense of not having a chance to express your truest fears or what it is that's hurting you like sometimes i'll do a session with somebody and i'll think i'm gonna channel them some deep message but it just ends up being us crying together for like 20 to 30 minutes and me just holding space so that they're not alone in those feelings sometimes i'll just i won't cry but sometimes you're like i just want someone to cry with me and i'm like you know i'm feeling your emotions right now let's just cry it out together and they feel safe yeah. so it's 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 all what the soul needs in that moment that's kind of the thing about trauma too and the idea that it gets stored in the body. So oftentimes we, we store it and we get really tense in our bodies and we become disconnected between our mind and our body. So that creates this aversion towards feeling what's present in the body. So then we go throughout our entire lives just pushing away the body and trying everything within our grasp to not feel that, which is actually it manifests as like antisocial behavior. People who show up as assholes, they probably have a deep latent trauma. So in creating a safe space for them to 
ha- have a tool that they can channel their energy into that opens up the rest of their being to soften into feeling, you know, and like having you there as a guide to be like, give them assurance and permission, you know, it's really permission because a lot of people, they don't want that to bleed out on other people, you know, in our society, we're very like, I got myself, I'm a rugged individualist. So by you giving them the permission, I, I think that that, that's, that's powerful. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, it is it is a thing where we, we think we have to have it all on our own. We have to heal ourselves. We can't share our, our trauma with others because it could affect them. But I think it's really powerful if more of us can step into that that area of space holding so that people can just vent. Um, I think that's why it's been such a big discussion recently. I'm not always having to share a perspective and just holding space. And I'm one of those people where I'll, I'll share a story in relation to someone's story because it's how I connect. And I've really had to take a step back and be like, okay, do you want me to connect with you? You want me to just hear you out? Um, and that's something I'm, I'm learning more and more through my practice as well. But I've noticed that the victim mentality has been a really big thing with the generation kind of above us, like our parents' generation a lot too. And the reason that we, we as, um, me as a millennial at least, kind of gets frustrated with that older generation is because they didn't necessarily have the nurturing that they needed. Um, I, I know that I have a couple parental figures where they're just, they're kind of frustrated and they have this like, you got to work yourself till you can't work anymore kind of mentality. And I'm like, that's not true. Like, and it, it's often like they did, it's somebody who like maybe didn't go to college or they didn't live up to what their parental's expectations were. And I, I try to remind them and I'm definitely trying to give those um, figures more love because I've noticed that it's like they're not going to heal themselves because they don't know how. They weren't given the right nurturing. So like if you're somebody who has like a dad or somebody who comes home and is like, oh, it must be nice to like sit at home all day because I hear that from so many of people. They're like, I just wish my parents understood. I'm like working hard. I work from home or I do this or that or the other. And it's like, well, they probably weren't ever told, hey, I'm proud of you for what you do. And instead, they just worked themselves until they couldn't work anymore and still never got that sense of pride or accomplishment. So if somebody's dealing with the victim mentality, um, maybe in a different sense, maybe like in the sense I was talking about earlier with the the mother that was afraid she was going to lose her children. Maybe no one had ever said, you know, you're a good mother. You have nothing to fear. Like sometimes people just need that reassurance that they're they're doing something that is positive. Yeah. And I, I like that you um, kind of like outlined that because I feel the psychology of like the baby boomer generation and kind of the subsequent following generation. I don't know what the name is for it, but Uh, I don't know if it's millennial, but like, it's a generation of trauma. You know, there was not a lot of understanding on like how sensitive the developing mind was. So like they got a lot of shit, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And like the generation before that, I mean, it's just compounded trauma and trauma. And I feel like with our generation, we're here to kind of like break that cycle um, because we actually have the information and the understanding and compassion to be able to like put a stop to that. And, um, kind of going back to the idea of like um, people healing their trauma. Trauma is most often inflicted relationally. So you need to heal it relationally. You need someone Mm -hmm. else to work through your trauma. It's very likely not going to happen without a little bit of nudging and someone else holding the container in space. And I think that we still don't really fully understand it. So I think, you know, as long as we're equipping ourselves with the compassionate capacity to understand that we don't really know, I think it is very important that we all lean into 
some sort of modality and understanding of the trauma makeup and psychology and try and generate novel ways to navigate it, you know? And it's going to look in a lot of different ways. We each have to kind of clean up our own networks, you know, and whatever tools you want to develop to do that, as long as you're staying relatively evidence-based or have a confidence in the space you're generating, I think that it is our responsibility to at least provide the opportunity for the older generations to come home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. I see trauma and grief kind of interchangeably in a lot of ways too, because a lot of times people had a traumatic experience and they didn't know how to grieve the situation, whether it was a loss or just like, you know, somebody who did have rough upbringing or rough parents and they didn't get to grieve the loss of not having maybe the childhood they wanted or the marriage they wanted or something like that. And there's a quote out there and I use this a lot in my practice is grief is like love with nowhere to go. It's like having this love and want for a situation to be a certain way and that expectation letting you down and no word for that love to expand. Like, it's like when you give somebody a gift and you're expecting like a certain reaction and they're just like, oh, okay. And you're like, that wasn't enough for you. And then they're like, your inner child's just like devastated. So it needs to grieve. And it's like, well, now I don't know where to send this love. I thought I was giving you the love in this gift. And, And sometimes it's just the gift of presence and being there for someone. And when that's not enough, we don't know what to do. And it becomes very, very traumatic. And I think that that's what passes down the the lineage of trauma, you know, because I'm sure uh, our parents in the the boomer generation, our parents being a general umbrella, um, you know, I'm sure that they experienced that and then they internalized that, you know, and their parents before them, you know, I, I think that that is kind of the nature of how do we handle love that is unrequited, you know, like, what do we do with that energy? And I think that that becomes stagnant in the body. Because like to love something, it, it's an energetic, it comes from your heart, and you push it outward. But then if it doesn't get reciprocal, if there's no feedback loop, it, it comes back into the body, and then starts hardening and crystallizing and turning into defense mechanisms. So you don't do it again, because it hurts, it hurt to love hurts, <laughs> you know, it puts your heart in front of you. And it's just like, take it, <laughs> you know, and learning how totally. to process that energy, you know, is, is however we can do that hold space for yeah, that to happen and everybody does that in different ways like we said earlier yoga working out going for a run for me it's painting and meditating and talking to people like podcasting is therapeutic for me like i've learned so much just sitting here with you having this discussion like it, it's nice to know there's other people out there that are opening themselves in this way yeah i i think I, i've heard other people say this Um, I'm learning a lot too, by the way. Thanks. (laughs) Um, But like, I I really think this upcoming year is going to be a test of a lot of, like, I feel like the chessboard has been set. um, The battle line's drawn, if you want to use a more stark metaphor. But I I think it's really going to take, I I just got done watching all the Lord of the Rings. So I'm kind of like, I have that in my mind. But like, I think the fellowship has to come together. And I think it's bigger than nine folks. You know, I think it's everybody who has been doing this work in separate islands i think we have to converge and we each have a piece of the puzzle as long as we're focused on healing on stepping into a brighter future i think we all come from different backgrounds and each of these backgrounds have something to offer you know and Mm -hmm. i mean it's something that i want to do with this show you know I, i i say it pretty often is that i on one hand really appreciate the woo on one hand i really like science i like buddhism i like yoga i like christianity i want to be able to create a whirlwind of all of the the positive aspects of these things and create a universal conversation and 
Um, it's not just me. I mean, I say I, but like really the show is only going to be good if I have good people. I can talk to them blue in the face, but it's, it's the other people that give it all context. Totally. I love that perspective too. Cause I used to wonder what people thought when they would see like my bookshelf and I have like uh, the, the, the Bible, the Zen Bible. And I have like the shocker Bible, but then I also have like the actual Bible, but then I have like the Kabbalah and like all these different books, like in a row, they're like, this is me experiencing all the different levels that there are to experience and not putting myself in one box. And I, I, I've really enjoyed being able to explore that and, and to expand and to take the bits that work for me and to help me be a better person and not try to, to force myself to be something I'm not. Um, you said you watched Lord of the Rings recently. I just finished, I think it was season one of a, a show called Lucifer. Have you ever heard of that show? My brother was into it when I lived with him a couple of years ago, but I've never watched it. Yeah, I, I just heard about it. I know it's an older show, but I watched the first season. I thought the timing was pretty powerful. And it's it's all about like, um, it's interesting because I really love working with like the angel energy. And sometimes people will be like, oh, you work with crystals and all these things. You must be a witch. And I'm like, no, I work with all these different energies. Like some people call me like an angel witch because I, I do work with both sides. And in this show, it was really powerful because they they personify lucifer and they also personify an angel which i think they were trying to make like archangel michael but it's very interesting dynamic but um they bring them to life and they give them human lives and at the beginning lucifer is what you would expect he's partying and he owns a club and anything that he can get into mischiefly he does and then something changes and he starts to to like fall in love with somebody and his whole world changes and then the angel that you expect to be good goes through this whole like kind of dark underworld of the soul type experience and then some things happen i won't ruin it for people but it was just a powerful kind of visualization to be like you know not all things that we think are bad are bad they just haven't had the experience to see the light yeah i like that a lot yeah i think everything has i i shit i'm sorry listeners i use this this one a lot but um like i think everything has a niche in the ecosystem you know and giving it understanding its proper placement is huge in going forward and i mean this is goes across like the social conversation to the religious spiritual conversation to the political conversation like we all fulfill a need that nature wants us you know like we're a demiurge of nature and the more that we can learn to piece these together and allow them each space to express uh, I, I think that 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 is the way forward unless i i don't know what the nature of like hatred is though you know that's where i'm kind of like still trying to like work out like maybe it the piece of that is that it gives the rest of us um kind of something to like focus against i don't know if it's again i just i don't know the nature of power and darkness <laughs> um to me it's kind of like what we mentioned earlier that hit and rock bottom before you make it to the top you got to see the dark before you see the light and they have that balance there like if you don't have some sort of bad how do you appreciate the good you know, like it's, it's hard because there'll be days where you're feeling real good, but you're taking life for granted. And then something bad happens. Like I recently had a, like a health scare and was like, Oh no, what's happening. And then like, after I relieved from it and I got confirmation, I was okay. It was like, wow, I appreciate life so much more now. Like I was really scared there for a couple days and you, you got to go through that roller coaster of experience. And um, I, I think it's like to build our faith bigger in whatever our faith is in to, to really see the, the accomplishments of allowing the good into your world. Now, there are like things like, you know, like murder and not fun things like health issues that don't go away. But 
they're usually serving a purpose. And I've found that when something bad like that happens, it wakes up all of the people around them yeah. in a different way. Yeah. And it, sh- it really makes a difference. Kind of like wakes us from our potential slumbers. You know, like a lot of us are like on autopilot until something bad happens. Like we just act as if nothing bad will happen until it does. So I can maybe even see, you know, it being like a catalyst for just further awakening of the dream, you know, like what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like what, like I said earlier, I was like really angry because I had so much death around me. But it also like as I grew and I looked upon that death and I experienced like what those people meant to me, it, it, it showed me that I really need to live my life to the fullest. And that's kind of why I stand for what I do and try to, to help people remember who they are, because it's so easy to let other people in the world around you change you if you don't have that solid foundation for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think you're absolutely right, Shannon. Um so I am noticing that it is a little past an hour. I hate to cut this off, but I feel like we could probably just keep going and going. <laughs> so I feel like getting some punctuation might be good. Um, so I, I do want to leave a little bit of space here at the end for you. What do you have coming up in the beginning of this upcoming year um, that people can interact with you? Uh, as I definitely think uh, is very worthy. And I, I'm i giving you the seal of approval and trust, you know, in you know, I, I advocate for your platform. So how can people get involved? Thank you so much. Um, well, if you want to work with me one-on-one, hit me up for a soul session. That's at shantasticshine.com or hit, I'm on all the social medias at shantasticshine. Uh, and I do have the divine expression and creativity container starting in January with my, my partner CeeLo. And we actually have an astrologer named BP that's going to hop on there and tell us how the stars can help us um, kind of shift into our creativity, which I thought was a, an interesting Um, aspect that we were able to welcome into it and again we're going to just hold space there for people to access whatever it is that their soul wants to express in this moment creatively and you can find all of that content in my podcast and things at bringmetolife.com with the number two and i would love to to just connect with more people and however they see fit you want to go past lives let's do some past lives you just need someone to vent to let's (laughs) let's connect let's figure it out cool Yeah, and all those links will be down in the description if you're watching um, either on Spotify or the website. I don't know. I actually haven't checked out the other platforms on if they share stuff, but it'll be on the website for sure. So, Shannon, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. These are some of my favorite kinds of conversations. So thanks for diving deep. Yay. Thank you so much and holding space and just letting me share my message. I'm real grateful to to be on this side of the microphone. Like I said, it's it's neat. It's neat to share my message and hear yours at the same time. Yeah, wonderful. Awesome. Well, I will talk to you very soon. All right, my friends, that was the episode. Thank you so much for listening all the way till the end. I appreciate you more than you could possibly know. Write about you every day in my diary. I see the ones, see like, oh, there's like three listens till the end. Awesome, I'm gonna write that down. I actually don't. I don't know what that... I don't even know how to check. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. I adore you. You're great. Um, I'll see you next year. Uh, We got uh, (laughs) a really incredible year coming up. So uh, yeah, let's look forward to that and build together. All right.